Hey everyone, this is a super special emergency episode of the John Henry Weston Show. We just aired an incredible conference called Stop the Shot, caught on tape. It featured all sorts of people giving their testimonies, doctors, nurses, witnesses, and lawyers giving their testimonies about people being denied adequate medical care in hospital, COVID patients being denied visitations, being denied COVID treatments they know that worked and that they were subscribed, being denied anybody to come into the hospital to help them, including not only their family and friends, but also their powers of attorney. It is unbelievable what's happening in hospitals right now, including denial of nutrition and hydration to COVID patients. You're going to want to stay tuned. What we've got for you, we encourage you to go to lifesitenews.com, click on watch at the top. You'll get to our conference and everything that happened with the Truth for Health Foundation uh, conference, Stop the Shot, Caught on Tape. But in this show, I'm going to provide you enhanced audio of the taped conversations with these doctors. They were taped by an attorney in Arizona, so it's legal to do one-way taping of conversations. So we have hospital administration and doctors admitting, denying patients ivermectin, denying them uh, nutrition, uh, food and fluids, and also uh, denying them any visitation at all whatsoever. You're going to want to stay tuned for this and get these enhanced audio files so you can hear clearly what was already aired during the press conference. Stay tuned. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know, every once in a while, bullies pick on the wrong people. And in this scenario, where hospitals literally all over the United States and Canada as well have been denying patients, COVID patients, the proper treatments that they know work, giving them very, very harmful treatments that they know are harmful, and also denying them visitation, even last rites, and denying them also the ability to even get out of hospital. Sometimes, though, this happens. We've heard about it. You've heard about it. But where's the evidence? For many Americans, many Canadians, many people around the world, they're like, yeah, we've heard this is happening so many times, but we've never had the evidence. Well, here it is. We have the recordings for you. And as I said off the top, you know, sometimes they pick on the wrong people. Well, we had a victim, a family victim of this hospital maltreatment of this unbelievable stuff going on in hospitals. And yet this victim, whose mother-in-law died because of this, and father-in-law also, advocated for them. But they picked on the wrong person. Ali Schultz is a lawyer. She's not just any lawyer. She's one of the lawyers who led a lot of the cases for America's frontline doctors. She knows exactly what she's doing. And we have the recordings here of what she faced with her own family. And God bless her for bringing this out and revealing her own personal story. It's just incredible. In this first clip, have a listen to this. This is at Banner Hospital. And you'll hear the doctor, and we're going to air it for you. The doctor telling her she can't, her mother-in-law can't get ivermectin. Have a listen. Yeah, we're doing our best. We're throwing the kitchen sink at her. I promise we're giving her everything we got to get her better. But you're not, because she has an existing prescription for ivermectin. Yeah, I should tell you that Banner came out with a system-wide policy 
yesterday that no ivermectin will be given to any COVID patient no matter what. They did a thorough literature review, and that's their policy. And I agree with it. I, I wouldn't give ivermectin to any COVID patient. Okay, if that's not bad enough, listen to this. Ali says herself that she's going to go in and administer it herself. Can she do that? She's pleading, and this is happening not only to Ali, this is happening all over the country. Thousands and thousands of individuals begging and pleading in tears for the protection of their own family members. Have a listen. It is relevant because ivermectin is also an NIH neutral drug. And she already has a prescription from her doctor for the day before she went to the hospital. Can't she just try it, please? I didn't see that doctor's name. Could I get his name? I could probably report him to the board, but forgive that. He blacked out his name. Can't she just try it, please? No, there's no, there would be no benefit. It could potentially hasten her death. It could potentially what? Hasten her death. It could cause her death. But you're saying there's no other chance that she's going to die anyway. That's likely true, yes. So I don't understand why you wouldn't be willing to at least try it. This is our I this is our mom and our family preferences and values is life. We have to try everything. I cannot just... Even if I thought that it would help, they literally would not let me order it or give it to the patient. Well, then can I come give it to her? I already have it. She already filled it the day before no, she the went. The hospital system would not allow the patient to get ivermectin no matter who ordered it or what. This is such a conflict of interest. I, I would not agree with that. Wow. Now get this. This is where Ali describes the doctor telling her, uh, and this is now at Mayo Clinic, telling her uh, what's going on with regard to her father-in-law. Her father-in-law was denied food and fluids, nutrition and hydration, even by IV, uh, except for one bag of water, uh, and that is for six days. You're not going to believe this conversation. Have a look. Okay, so to your question, well, I'm not the right person to respond to the nutrition. I do feel compelled to at least make one comment on it, realizing that I'm an administrator, not a clinician, which is just that the nutrition approach that they take when someone is admitted having that many problems with breathing is exactly what they do. And actually you would find that to be the case in, in all the hospitals in the Valley. That is the standard of care because of the aspiration risk or the et cetera, right, with, with those patients who are in that situation circumstance. But I recognize that um, you feel differently and, and you wanted, of course, answers. Okay, well, then why was this being done? And, you know, I can, I can appreciate, no matter what, having a better explanation of why that clinical uh, path was being followed. So I, I get that. This, um, um, go ahead. Tell me what you're trying to say. The standard of care is to have a nutrition department be aligned with a patient, at least within the first day or two of being there. And then, yes, of course, we don't want him to aspirate, but maybe he could get some IV hydration, something at all. Or, I don't know, just an assessment. I'm sorry, I'm not, it's not your fault, but like this is happening in your hospital. And I, I don't understand how, like that, it is not the standard of care to not provide any hydration or nourishment to a patient for six days, except for one bag of D5 water. 
The nurses knew. The nurses all knew about it. I was begging them every single day. Where is their compassion? Why are they not advocating for their patients? They have a responsibility. Okay, well, you know, um, Michelle, I think I, I think I'll ask the clinical team if they can revisit this question for you to give an explanation. Because um, I'm obviously not able to speak to it very um, adequately. So, so let, let me do that, okay? And I will um, ask them to do that. Thank you. Okay, and finally. And this is probably really stunning as well. You, you, you have this case where the hospitals are totally refusing people entry. And this is for patients who they said had COVID, except that in most places, uh, you know, you're regarded as COVID free after 10 days after symptom onset, because that's what the health systems know. Our family had COVID. We had, uh, you know, 10 days after uh, symptom onset, we were free to go out again. And it's unbelievable that these patients are kept in hospital often, um, you know, in there for a month and not allowed to see anyone. You know what? I'm going to let Allie say it for herself and then we'll play the clip right after that. Have a listen to this. I think seclusion is the number one issue. And the thing that anyone who currently has a loved one in the hospital can act on right away. Get in there. You, it is in the patient bill of rights. Like get in there, they are not to be secluded. Just because they're using the word isolation doesn't mean it makes it any better what they're doing. It's, they're secluding patients. And so Chuck, my father-in-law was secluded for 24 days past the CDC and Arizona Department of Health guidelines. In Arizona, they say um, the guidelines are to isolate or seclude yourself for 10 days post the onset of symptoms. And, you know, Chuck had gone to the hospital on the 10th day of his symptoms. With my mom-in-law, Christy, they were trying to get us to remove her ventilator without allowing us the ability to get in to see her and assess her. We can't do that. We want to be with her. What, why would they possibly be, um, how could someone make that decision without assessing their loved one. And so this is a huge legal issue because if you think about it, when an American is isolated from others, what is this considered? Unlawful imprisonment, torture. You know, I'm doing my job has never been a defense to crimes against humanity. This is a huge issue. So that's why in order to seclude and restrain patients, there is actually very, very strict guidelines for healthcare workers. And it cannot be a blanket order. There needs to be a new order every 24 hours. And if it goes past a few days, they need a judge to sign a court order. They cannot just blanket seclude someone for this long. And they can also cannot conspire to make sure every hospital around them is doing the same thing. So I have those audios to play here. As far as visitation in our hospital, we are not going to allow you to visit him in our hospital um, as long as he is here. What I do know is that there's all of the hospitals, because I meet with all of the other chief medical officers in the hospital I don't know, three times a week, and there is no visitation. 
for patients who test positive in any of the hospitals.